G'day, welcome to Lunch Money, where uh, workouts, special situations and commercial finance specialists give us their take on the week's news. My name is Nick Samios. I'm the Director and Fund Manager here at Hermes Capital and your host. Uh, so once again, welcome. Yesterday was the 25th of June, and what was special about the 25th of June is that it was exactly the halfway point between the 25th of March uh, when the government um, implemented a number of measures, uh, primarily um, making uh, protecting directors from insolvent trading during this COVID time, no longer uh, no longer were directors necessarily liable for insolvent trading. That ends on the 25th of September, and yesterday was the halfway point there. Uh, coincidentally, with that, um, uh, banks. Uh, uh, entered into uh, arrangements with their, their customers to defer payments. As a matter of fact, I understand that there's 216,000 business loans uh, to the tune of about $60 billion uh, were deferred at that point in time. Um, and, uh, and then, of course, there was JobKeeper. Uh, so yesterday, we're, we're halfway. We're halfway through this and possibly halfway to the cliff. Uh, that everybody's talking about and has become uh, has sort of come into uh, common language. Um, I've got two panelists joining me today, uh, uh, two experts uh, on the on corporate restructuring and also, uh, in particular, safe harbour. Um, and we're going to talk about those two things. And we're going to talk to them in the context of uh, a couple of other things that have made the news this week, which is Virgin and Qantas. What's uh, what's fascinating, I think, uh, about about Virgin and Qantas. Two airlines, same industry, obviously, but uh, two different um, approaches to restructuring. One's a formal restructure, Virgin, having uh, sought uh, relief through voluntary administration, uh, sought relief from its creditors and gone through the formal path of appointing uh, Deloitte as, uh, as voluntary administrators. And Qantas is going down what we might call an informal path. They haven't made any formal appointments. Instead, they've gone to the market to raise some capital. And obviously, very sadly, they're restructuring their workforce as well. People are losing their jobs, which uh, I think comes as a, um, as a, uh, a I guess, a wake-up call to all, all Australians that uh, this, uh, this recession we're in is real and, uh, and people do lose their jobs. Let's go to our panel. I'm going to, I'm going to start off with Hector West. G'day, Hector. How are you going? Hi, Nick. I'm well. How are you? Fantastic. Hector is a partner with the law firm uh, Hall and & Wilcox, and he is our uh, Lunch Money's uh, West Australia representative uh, at the moment. We've still, uh, we've still got border controls. People from the east still can't go over west, but, but uh, we can Zoom and, uh, and all the rest of it. What, um, what, what keeps you busy in the last week or so, Hector? What, what do you find yourself mainly doing? Um, Nick, a large number of the things that we've been working on is actually pre-COVID or historical problems that directors and company had, companies had. Um, generally, it's um, old tax liabilities um, or um, problems they had with lenders pre-COVID. So we're working our way through that. But what we've seen in the last probably three to four weeks, and which is keeping us a little bit busy now, but will be keeping us a fair bit busier in the next weeks to come. I think we will be um, busier in the disputes process um, right. because the, the stat demand process is coming back and all that. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's where we head. That's what it looks like where we're heading. Just explain for those uh, those who aren't aware of what you mean by the stat demand process coming back. Um, okay. Just just sort of uh, give us the the non law. You know the the, the uh, the common speak for what's happened there? The, yes. So previous, um, before 24, uh, 23 March, the, um, if, if there's a, uh, there was a mechanism whereby a creditor can serve a document on a debtor 
which demands payment within 21 days from the date of service. Now, once the debtor receives that document, he either must make the payment or um, apply to court to have it set aside because of a genuine dispute. Now, pre-23 March, there was a, um, a limit on that. It was $2,000. Now, the Treasurer introduced um, a measure where that's been increased to $20,000, and the 21-day period has been extended to six months, which comes to an end in September. So we're halfway through that. Um, and the inquiries that we're receiving is now is how do we recover the monies as business owners that were owed to us pre-COVID? So are you are you acting for the people chasing the money or the people that owe the money or a bit of both? A bit of both. It's a blend. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, 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 and so and they're getting ready for they're, they're starting to ask you now about what they can do on the 25th of September. Or are they asking you Correct. what can we what do, can about we do right now? now? Yeah, what yeah. we can do now, yeah. Because it's impacting their solvency, their own solvency. Well, that's right. That's the problem. Um, it's cash flow. And um, it's it, it, ideally, you know, a conversation should happen between the debtor and creditor um, because you may spend money on solicitors and, and whatnot and um, not recover your money. And is there a, uh, you know, when the phone rings, I mean, what, what's the most common question you find yourself getting asked? When, uh, what, what, what are people mainly asking you when, they, when they're giving you a call? Um, deferral of debt, whether, yep. you know, you're the debt or the creditor. I mean, that's been, that's been going on for quite a long time now. And deferral of, of trade debt or bank debt or a bit of both? Trade, trade mostly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And tax debts. Right. And what, what so you're having conversations? Tax, so you're talking with you're speaking with the ATO. Yes. Yeah, and, uh, and 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 so the ATO is still looking at negotiating payment plans at this time. From what we've seen, yes, yeah. but also yeah. within reason, you know, the ATO would reject a plan that has no substance. You know. And I think that one of the things that interests me is particularly I talk to a lot of finance brokers and there, uh, you know, there are opportunities, particularly in mining services. And it looks like the government's going to be spending money on infrastructure and people want to borrow money to to buy heavy equipment and what have you. And so yes. they certainly don't want tax debt uh, showing up anywhere. They don't want to they don't want arrears showing up anywhere. Is that is that anything that people are speaking to you about specifically? It's. It's important that those debts be cleared, especially if you are applying for finance and, and um, you know, there'd be security interests and all of those things because the ATO can essentially, with all the powers it has, wipe a company out. Yeah. And, and, and that would be of concern for a lender. Yeah. Um, and as I say, you're, you're situated in the lovely WA. Are, are, you, um, are you finding any special problems that, that you're having in WA that your colleagues in other parts of the country aren't having, or is it it's all the same? Or no, from from my discussions with my colleagues over east, it's a universal problem. Yeah, we'll just put you on hold there for a second, Hector, and we'll introduce our next guest. Uh, Jeanette Muller is joining us from Brisbane. So we've Hello. got uh, Sunny Queensland. How are you going, Jeanette? Very well, thanks. Thanks for having uh, me on today. You're very welcome. Now, Jeanette is a partner at Hall Chadwick. Um, I guess she has uh, many areas of expertise in uh, in consulting with uh, business advisory, uh, some insolvency. But uh, I guess your your um, your main shtick these days is 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 um, safe harbour. Is that fair to say? Look, that is fair to say. I still do a little bit of uh, insolvency for the, for in certain circumstances, but yeah. um, you know, of late. Uh, what's been keeping me busy is um, actually 
continuing to deal with my safe harbour clients. Um, and strangely enough, you know, a couple of them that I had going, you know, that I hadn't um, played before uh, COVID hit, um, they might have thought that their future was looking a little bit bleak. But, uh, you know, there's silver linings, I suppose, um, particularly they were in mining services and um, and uh, infrastructure and things have turned around for them. In fact, they've, they've become stronger through this whole process. Right. And um, we're actually looking at things like... Um, properly restructuring them now. So so perhaps when we first started, we might have been putting Safe Harbour in place. Sure, there was a better outcome plan in there to, to yeah. help keep them safe, but now it's, um, you know, look, let's, let's really plan for the future because it's looking pretty bright for them. Right, right. So not, not, not so avoiding a, a formal restructure process altogether, you're saying? So Totally, yes, yeah. that's right. With, with a couple of my clients, that's yeah. exactly right. That's what's uh, keeping me busy. So, um, you know, under the um, safe harbour protections that are in place, not only are they protected from the um, insolvent trading uh, regime, which everyone in Australia, of course, is protected from at the moment, thanks to the yeah. um, uh, government's um, COVID Act. Yeah. But um, when that runs out in September, uh, they'll keep going. With, with with safe harbour, they've had it. They haven't missed a beat going through, and and what what their particular type of safe harbour enables them to do is to restructure as well. So if there's, um, for example, transfers of assets or anything like that, they'll also be protected in the unlikely event that they go into um, liquidation or some form, formal insolvency down the track. Um, yeah. All of those types of transactions will be protected. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. I mean safe harbour. When it first came in, it, it met with a fairly lukewarm response, I think would be fair to say, by the insolvency profession. Would you agree with that? Oh, totally. Um, I, I, I thought the genius of it was, I mean, as a sort of a student of, of business turnaround and business, you know, having sort of studied uh, business failure, I mean, and the, the, the genius of it is that you don't have to tell everybody that you're in safe harbour. I mean, one of the big problems that, that insolvency people complain about is if only I'd got here sooner, I could have done something. But, of course, nobody wants to admit they've got problems. And Safe Harbour allows you to address your problems without having to tell the world. But it also specifically protects directors, doesn't it? It protects, it protects uh, you know, chief restructuring officers, that sort of thing. Do you just want to, in a nutshell, tell us what protections Safe Harbour gives people? Sure. So it's designed to protect anyone who might get um, caught up in a collapse and a, a collapse, and that they were at the, they were guiding the ship, so to speak. So um, whether you were involved in it, or whether you were a director at the time, or even a, a shadow director at the time, then you might be on the line for insolvent trading, um, and you know you'll be held accountable for that unless you're in some some unless you've got a very but excuse you were sick and there are other other defences that are available. But the easiest defence is to be um, a part under the safe harbour regime and so that's why it was introduced. Now, there are certain requirements to being in safe harbour. You have to have a turnaround plan. You have to pay your tax on time. You have to be compliant and um, you have to be monitoring your, your plan. And so I think one of the really good benefits that I've seen that arisen from safe harbour is the uh, better governance that a lot of these companies um, force themselves to uh, to adopt? So they're having regular turnaround meetings. The the board of directors is actually getting together, even if they can't stand each other. They're starting to find a a, a mechanism to get through things, and then you know that's got its own benefits. Better governance has its own benefits. Right. 
I mean, look, what it, I mean, I, I think of, it, it means that, you know, people, say for yourself, for example, someone might say, listen, can you come in and uh, and help me, uh, you know, and, and you say, well, I, I can have a red-hot go at this thing if we put it into Safe Harbour and I know that I'm not going to lose my house and, you know, all, all the wealth that I've accumulated through my life, whereas before Safe Harbour you could be you could be seen as a shadow director um, and, and all of that's at risk, isn't it? And just and just within NEDs, I mean, there's particularly in the middle market, there's non-executive directors, people that agree to go on a board because it looks good for the bank. Plus, they're giving they're giving their expertise, but they might only be pulling thirty or forty or fifty grand a year to turn it up at a monthly board meeting. Um, they've got risk as well if they're not outside of Safe Harbour, don't they? Oh well, definitely. In fact, it can be worse than that. They might be doing a, a voluntary position as well. Um, yeah. You know. There are um, uh, there is a case that I'm aware of that um, a liquidator is pursuing the directors for insolvent trading. It was a not for profit. It was a, a charity of sorts, and um, they've got litigation funding to pursue those directors. And um, you know, a, a lot of them probably wouldn't have even known the yeah. the true situation of the company and would have relied on others to um, have have been responsible in that area. And that will have you know, probably come up in their defence in due course. I think what's interesting about Safe Harbour is, as I said, when it first came in, it, it met, met with a sort of a fairly lukewarm response uh, across the board. But it's interesting that you, for example, uh, you're, you're, you're an example of where um, sort of uh, mi middle and larger firms are taking it very seriously and, and getting uh, experts such as yourself to sort of front and centre because obviously they're, they're seeing that it is, is a serious part of the landscape in the future. Yeah, you're doing what you can, um, I think what's going to be really interesting is when it's turned off. So, you know, you'd probably be asking people, okay, well, you're in safe harbour now. How did it feel? You know, you had this sort of uh, protection that you didn't even realise that you, you had it. What's going to happen yeah. on the 24th of September when it automatically goes? Any any thoughts to add to that, Hector, on uh, on, on safe harbour? And uh, do, you, do you see much of it? Um, no, I don't see much. It's more on yeah. the internet side of the yeah. ledger. But, you know, you know, the main thing is it's something that's there. It's a mechanism that's underutilised a lot. Right, right, um, right. It's right. something that directors should turn their minds to, especially yeah. now, yeah. Um, to utilise that, that, you know, the provisions that are there. Okay. All right. Well, we'll go to our, uh, our first uh, headline. This is an article... Um, by Karen Malley at the uh, at the Financial Review, uh, banks fear for small business when the support is turned off, and uh, this is again we're, we're talking about the cliff here. As I said earlier, there's 216,000 business loans totaling 60 billion dollars that apparently um, have been uh, are on pause or on deferral. Uh, the banks are saying that 10 to 15 percent of these um, customers are now saying, "Yep, we're ready to uh, we're ready to come off that now. We're doing all right. We don't need the support." And I've spoken in previous weeks to finance brokers, and they're saying that uh, people don't want to be on the support because when they go to borrow money off, you know, Bank X, for example, uh, from and they say, "Well, if you've got if you're if you're getting any support from any other bank, then we're not interested in helping you." So, I guess you know we are seeing when you know lockdowns are coming back in Victoria. Um, I mean, do you, do you think? I guess I'll start with you, uh, Jeanette. I mean, what what are, what are people saying in your, in your part of the world about about the cliff and and uh, and people having to start meeting their bank commitments again and JobKeeper coming off? What what are you hearing? Okay, 
Well, um, bearing in mind the uh, place in the market that I am, it's it's not pretty uh, what I'm hearing, but um, it's going to be deferred till September. Where, um, you know, if you think about insolvency at the moment as a as as a professional or an industry, uh, it's very quiet. There's not a lot of uh, insolvency appointments taking place at the moment. And I think the, there's a, a big problem that people are pretty comfortable. Um, you've got a possible issue where a lot of small businesses potentially ha have got it pretty good at the moment. And um, when the support and when the, the tax office and the banks uh, go back to normal, um, you know, it's all going to hit at once and um, it, it, it probably won't be so good. Um, you, you see headlines from ASIC saying that there aren't even enough liquidators uh, to, uh, to do the job um, of, yeah. of what we are going to be seeing in the future. So um, that's sort of what I'm hearing and, and, and seeing is just, uh, you know, unbelievably quiet. It's quieter than normal in terms yeah. of just your, your average insolvencies. Do you, do you wonder, I was talking to uh, one of my colleagues um, in Perth uh, who does quite a bit in the, in, well, I mean, I guess he's in Perth, so he's obviously doing a lot in mining services and also in infrastructure. And he believes that when, uh, when September 25 comes along, uh, you're just going to see a flood of equipment on the market because as soon as people have to start paying for it again, they, they don't really need it. Because they're, 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 And I, I just wonder, I mean, are, are you... Uh, are you Hector? Are you, are you seeing any of that? And, and are you hearing people? Obviously, people are coming to you preemptively before September 25, talking about uh, getting their cash flow sorted out and chasing debts. Is anyone saying, "Look, when the 20, when JobKeeper comes off, I'm going to lay off the serious numbers of staff"? Are you, are you getting any sense of that? No. Um, what I have seen is um, people making or businesses making people redundant, yeah. um, even during JobKeeper, because. Um, what they expect, and this is a few, sorry, maybe half of it, would say, even if we come out of this, we won't need all the staff that we've had pre-COVID. So it's it's more of a preemptive. And, and the attitude that some have taken is we can always re-employ other people down the line. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, I've you know, it's uh, it's you know, I've got two uh, I've got two kids who are sort of uh, you know just entering the job market. It's certainly a tough time to do that, and uh, it's not going to be any e easier if you're uh, if uh, you're coming back. I, um, I guess we want to try and look for um, what we think people should be doing to to keep their businesses going. We want to sort of try and get an upbeat sort of tone to this. If we just go to the next uh, the next slide. Um, so I started off, I introduced today's session by saying that, you know, Virgin and Qantas are, are a tale of two kinds of restructuring, uh, you know, one's formal, one's informal. Uh, I guess both of them are talking about raising capital. You know, by the time we finish this podcast, for all I know, uh, this, this story here might be completely and utterly out of date. But uh, one, this, this caught my eye, one billion uh, of bondholders um, are looking at trying to effectively get control of the company, converting their debt to equity um, and uh, and then on, on, the, on, on the condition that they can convert their debt to equity, they'll introduce some fresh capital and they don't want the business to be sold. And I'm wondering, uh, is, this, is this potentially something that regardless of whether or not they succeed in this specific instance, given that we are in unique circumstances when we come out the other end of uh, September 25, is this something that we might see where creditors are looking at, at, at instead of five cents in the dollar, taking some equity? Well, I'll start with, with you, Hector. Thanks, Nick. Um, for every dollar of debt, if, if the deal gets up, they'd be able to sell the share and immediately recover 
70 cents in the dollar. So it is quite innovative. Um, it, it may set, in my view, a template for future restructurings, yes. And un under what circumstances, uh, if someone came to you, Hector, uh, under what circumstances would you would you, would you you recommend that someone consider this instead of sitting back? Let's say they're a, a major unsecured creditor, they've got a significant stake, they're not the ATO, yep. obviously, but, you know, it does look like that they can maybe pull together with one or two other creditors. I mean, when, when do you think this would be an, a, a decent approach versus just sitting back and waiting for cents in the dollar? So um, ideally you'd be able to think about whether you can convert the equity stake that you receive at the end into money within whatever time frame you've had in mind because you may be at the other end an equity holder or a shareholder with shares that could be worth far less than what you what your debt was so it's it's something that you need to to weigh up finally is you know how are you actually going to get repaid to me it looks like a mechanism to get at least a large sum of your money much quicker than being a creditor in an administration or some sort of arrangement down the line well, I guess, you know, in some circumstances is a question of do I get do I face a definite wipeout now or do I maybe get wiped out in three years' time? But, you know, I'll take the maybe. What do you think, Jeanette? And I mean, if someone came to you and said, look, um, you know, we're a major creditor, um, we've, we've seen, we saw this thing in the paper about the bondholders, they were unsecured. And what's, what would you be sort of looking for to see whether or not that would be a, a decent strategy? Yeah, right. Uh, well, I I think it's a really good idea because um, sometimes, you know, unsecured creditors get forgotten. They're a large component of this administration and I suppose they're flexing a bit of muscle to say, hey, don't, don't forget about us. And, um, you know, whether it's this administration or any administration, um, you know, if you're prepared to, uh, to, to get in there and use the, the process, then who knows what you might be able to achieve out of it because uh, ultimately it's about voting. Um, it's a it's that's that's the, the the risk or the benefit however you want to look at it with respect to um, going through a voluntary administration process everyone can put in a, a proposal or a bid and at the end of the day the creditors will decide which ones they want to go with and I, and I suppose the point is that these people uh, that this uh, unsecured creditor represents a large large voting blocks, so um, good on them yeah I was talking to someone about it yesterday and they were saying well it's not very fair for the other unsecured creditors but I, I suppose as you said it's all about the votes um i mean um hector are the administrators at any sort of uh, legal risk you know considering one versus the other what how does that work look as a general standing point administrators are always at risk of making you know weighing up proposals and, and making a recommendation um you know one versus the other or you know when you have multiple um recommend or proposals um, there's always room for criticism. Um, as long as they've they've got the appropriate advice, they've they've done the investigations to the extent that they can, and creditors have all the information necessary to make an informed decision. That's how you avoid, you know, criticism. All right, we might just go to our next slide now. Um, so we've looked at the the Virgin side of things. So on the, I guess the Qantas. Uh, scenario is is different i mean they obviously their, their balance sheet is was, was in a better it was in better shape to begin with and we're not suggesting that Qantas uh, you, you know necessarily needed to look at a formal approach uh, having said that you know you're in the airline industry and your and your revenues are, are, are wiped out uh, they've gone for raising capital instead and obviously as we said they're restructuring their workforce which 
you know, 6,000 people. That's, that's a lot of families that, uh, that are being affected there. Just a reflection, I think, of a lot of what's happening through the economy. Um, what I know, Jeanette, uh, that you've, you've, uh, you've worked with some private lenders. And I mean, what do you think the availability of capital is like for small or even I'm interested in mid-sized businesses as well in the middle market? Do you think there's an availability of capital for this sort of thing? Um, look, I, I think there is and, um, you know, it's just that there's a, probably a lot of due diligence being done at the moment. Um, you know, you just have to show everything and um, uh, valuations would, would be um, a key component of that. How are they looking at the moment? How, uh, you know, I've, I'm starting to see some that are, that, are, that are coming in a little bit low, so it's... Um, it will start to have an impact, but then on the other hand, I suppose there are some um, there are some opportunities. The government's opening up different um, different uh, grants and subsidies and 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 other issues to try to make sure that um, you know businesses don't fall off a cliff. So you know it's a little bit too early for me to say exactly. Yeah, and I wonder with I mean, how does uh, does Safe Harbour go? Hand in glove with capital raising, like let's say, and we're not talking about Qantas specifically here. It's obviously, but but they do they do sort of um, make 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 me wonder. Um, you know, you, you're facing a situation. Uh, you know, you know that in September you're all of a sudden as a director, particularly for NED that's just doing it for a, a part. You know, you've got a fifty grand a, a year type NED salary, and and all of a sudden you know that on the twenty fifth of September you're going to be liable for insolvent trading again. And you might be saying, listen, we need to get Jeanette in here because we need to go into Safe Harbour, but at the same time we need to raise capital. I mean, A, does capital solve, can a capital raise solve the solvency issue and how does, how does raising capital, how does Safe Harbour help, uh, help the capital raising process? So, yes, capital helps the, um, helps the insolvent trading issue. You would hope that, um, you know, if you're able to raise capital, then um, surely that would be enough to uh, plug any holes that uh, might be um, present. Um, you know, I suppose it's a, a different issue if you don't raise enough. But anyway, leaving that aside for, for a moment, um, you know, sh surely you've um, worked out your uh, projections and you're going to get through um, whatever problem you've you, you've gone to the market to seek the capital for. So I'd say that for a start. Um, but, you know, these are uncertain times. Nobody, nobody's got a crystal ball. We don't know what can happen. I bet no one predicted uh, COVID-19 was going to come along. So, um, you know, at the moment, better to be safe than sorry. Why wouldn't you, um, you know, have, a, have your policies, your insurance policies in place as a director? Everyone has those. But to me, I see Safe Harbour as just an, another one of those um, policies that I would make sure that I had if I was a director. Yeah, and I think that it's also, I mean, from what I've seen of it, it's also, if nothing else, Safe Harbour's a, a, an excellent checklist. In order to qualify for Safe Harbour, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's just a great way to make sure that you're, you're ready to face the future in any case. Um, any thoughts uh, to, to add to that, Hector? Yes. Um, the only thing that I could add is that, you know, for a capital raising, that it be done in a responsible manner. So it, it would be really difficult now, especially in this environment, to make um, predictions or make representations about the state of your business and what you think it would look like. The only caveat I could add is to be very careful in the, the representations you make when um, the capital is raised. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that, uh, it, it looks certainly when it comes to debt, 
uh, you, know, the, you know, the market is reluctant to take on uh, big chunks of fresh debt at the moment, I guess, specifically for those reasons. I mean, I guess they're, they're worried about personal liability and they're worried about that because there is this big unknown um, as to where, you know, what's how the future is going to unfold. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll, we'll close out by I'll ask you, um, as I said before, we're theoretically halfway uh, through the, the six-month period that the government you know, the six-month reprieve the government gave. Now, they may or may not extend JobKeeper. I noticed that uh, um, uh, uh, Alan Joyce is beseeching the government to extend JobKeeper um, and uh, West Farmers, I think the CEO of West Farmers was in the paper today also saying to the government that they've got to extend JobKeeper. But let's just assume that we are halfway through this. Um, if, if businesses or accountants or, or businesses are coming to you and saying, look, you know, we're... We're just going to hang in there until September, and then. And so, I mean, what's your advice? Um, what, what sort of what sort of advice are you giving them to stay strong, stay creditworthy, uh, and to stay around? I suppose I'll start with you, Hector. The advice that I would give a client in a scenario, for example, where we talked about earlier, you know, some of them may fall over the cliff, is that if we fall over the cliff, at least it's a soft landing. Um, we have procedures in place like the administration process. We have procedures in place like the safe harbour. They should be utilised so that you ensure that there is a soft landing if you get pushed over the cliff and put all the mechanisms that we have at our disposal um, to ensure that, you know, at least there is a business going forward. And how much of the inquiry that you get, Hector, uh, is about saving the business versus, say, preserving the personal position of the directors? Because... It's one thing, you know, uh, it's one thing to save the business, but it's another thing to make sure that if the business yeah. does go down, they're not personally destroyed. Look, at the moment, it's saving the business inquiries. Yeah. Um, I would suspect that once 25 September comes, yeah. um, that inquiry will change. Yeah, look, I've got a friend in Sydney, who, an insolvency guy in Sydney, who says, you know, when it comes to the saving the house or saving the business, save the business because the business will buy you another house. But if you aim to save the house and lose the business, you end up losing the house anyway, is, uh, is, is one thing that I guess we've all seen too many times. Um, Jeanette, what about yourself? What, what sort of sure. advice um, are you giving people? Um, you know, let's say they are, they're breaking even now. They've got a few, you know, a, a few, um, uh, the log's not completely hollow yet. They're hanging in there. What? How are you telling them to, to get in shape for what's coming? Well, um, obviously, get into safe harbour. Let's get a plan yeah. together. Let's um, work out what the future, do you planning? What does the future look like? How are we going to get to the other side once once everything is over? Um, so it's all it's all about building that plan. Um, of course, the safe harbour keeps the the individuals safe, but also being realistic. And if there's got to be some um, chopping off of bad pieces of the business, then they've got to be removed. Um, you know, uh, the prime minister was um, very keen to mention that these are unprecedented times um, back in March, and um, a lot of people have um, you know had to do. Um, you know, look at their businesses differently, make, had to make a lot of sacrifices. So, uh, you know, I'd be looking for something from government in the not-too-distant future, a policy change of some sort to um, to give us all a bit of direction of, of um, you know, something a little bit more than the insolvent trading laws being relaxed. Okay, these, these are going to come back into place because we've all got to have trust in each other to be able to get out into the community and trade again. And um, by removing those insolvent trading laws, there's, you know, that, that part's gone a little bit. So maybe when they remove those laws, there might be something else that they could 
to put in place to sort of get people back into business because this is not, you know, we, we've certainly got to keep Australia trading and um, make it worthwhile for the business community to get back out there and I just hope that, um, you know, there'll be something that uh, will, will come to, to enable people to do that. Actually, you raise a very, very interesting point there because, uh, you know, as we sit here, we're saying we don't know. We think that in September the, the safe harbour restrictions come off. We think the JobKeeper stops. Uh, you know, we think that the, the whole thing about the, uh, the the wind-up notices, we don't really know, do we? I mean, we, we, there's still a bit of uncertainty as to whether or not the government's going to extend these things. Um, I mean, the, the Prime Minister did say the other day, uh, he made the statement, we can't save every business. And, uh, and I sort of read into that, you know, he's saying, listen, these things are going to come to an end. But certainly it would probably help if, if the government did emphatically say, look, either we're extending it or we're not extending it. It would certainly help with business planning, do you think, Hector? Yes, it would assist. Um, but generally my advice would be that, you know, we should not purely rely on, on you know, support from the government in whichever shape or form, financial legislation or anything like that. We should try and plan to be, you know, independent and stand our own two legs in a very short space of time. Okay. All right. Well, look, uh, we will wrap it up there. So um, it's been a, an interesting discussion. I think that uh, I do think that this uh, this Virgin and, and Qantas uh, scenario, I think it's one for the textbooks uh, when it's all when it's all done and dusted about uh, you know two different two different approaches to restructuring an airline. Again, obviously the the circumstances are a bit different uh, on both sides, but on the other hand, they are both. You know, they're both Australian airlines, so that's been very interesting. It's been a great talk. Really appreciate um, appreciate uh, what you've uh, what you've informed us with, uh, Hector West from uh, from uh, WA, from uh, Hall and Wilcox there, and Janet Muller from uh, Hall Chadwick in Brisbane. Thank you very very much for joining us. Uh, thank you to uh, everybody who's watched, and uh, a big shout out to everybody who listens and watches over the weekend as well. So thank you very much. Cheers. Yeah.